0: Third trip in the Mercedes-Benz drive zone. Ryan Direct snap fires wide open. Left side of the end zone. Caught by Whitley for the touchdown.
1: And the Falcons are right back in it, trailing 31-18 with nine and a half minutes to play.
0: You're listening to Falcons Audible, presented by ATT.
1: Welcome everybody to the Falcons podcast. This is the Falcons Audible presented by AT&T. I'm Derek Rackley. It is a brand new season. It's 2020 and we've got football, everybody. I'm just so thankful that we are on a football field and we are watching actual action because most people didn't think that we were going to even have football in 2020. So we've got the same podcast, but we're going to do a little bit of a twist this year. Not so much Uh, Are we going to go back and hammer out the previous game but we're going to talk a little bit about it and then we're going to think more about what's happening in the NFC South, what's happening in the conference, what's happening in the entire NFL and we're going to talk about those issues but let me go ahead and introduce the team myself. I'm Derek Brackley, former NFL player. I played six years for the Falcons, 2000 through 2005. And then I played a couple years uh, with the Seattle Seahawks in 2006 and 2007. Now, while I was playing for the Falcons, one Dave Archer, as many of you already know, was the color analyst that started. I want to say in 2004. Was that right, Arch?
2: That's correct. Yeah, correct, Rack. You got it. You got your dead on. 2004 until
1: until dot dot dot. He is still going, folks. He is still on the Falcons broadcast team as the color analyst for the Atlanta Falcons. Arch played for the Falcons back in the mid-'80s. And uh, if you know anything about Atlanta, you know Dave Arch because he's around it. Uh, So, Arch, we're glad to have you with us. And then um, this guy right here. I've been trying to tell him to smile. DJ Shockley. See, everybody loves that smile. Wow, look Look at at that. DJ and I had a cup of coffee together. He was drafted in – 2006 or 2007 by Atlanta, Six, yep. DJ? Which one was it? Six,
0: yep.
1: So he was there in the offseason, and then um, I got a, I ended up getting released. So we were there for probably four or five months together, and, of course, he stuck around and done a lot of things with the Atlanta Falcons over the years. So that's going to be the team this year for Falcons Audible, once again presented by AT&T, and we're going to talk about a lot of different issues. We're going to try to get to a lot of things in a matter of 20, 25, they said we can't go over forty minutes. That's quite the. Well, we're gonna have to watch Shockley on that and now,
2: and Rack, because Shock <laughs> likes the monologue, so we're gonna have a problem with that. I mean, he gotta, you know, he loves the smile. You see the smile. That's a, you know, that's the smile you want on every face <laughs> in America, right? But he likes to talk, so I don't know if we're gonna be able to get this in in twenty five. Right, now. right.
0: First off, first off, Rack, I don't know how me and you can be involved with arts because I. You uh, see this logo, dude. What, lo- you know, what logo here, is that right you know, Arch there? Arch's here since the 80, so Arch has a, a firm <laughs> hold on this organization. So here the office. you know, I know we got some stuff well, to get into, but I want to ask you guys something right out of the
2: box. How stiff was your equipment guy? And now uh, you got to be careful now because it's the same dude that's there now, right, Brian Boyner, <laughs> my guy. I mean, you had to mortgage part of your house to get some socks or a shirt yeah. or something like this shirt's like back from 1986 or something like that. I had to sew up the seam on this bad boy to make it work today. You guys, you guys get stuff from your equipment? God, our guy wouldn't give us anything.
0: Well, I'm sure, I'm sure a guy like Rack who, you know, had been there for years, you know, it was making some of the most money on the team. So Rack didn't have an issue with that. A guy like me, a seventh round guy, oh man, I had to bring my socks in they had to, Practically have holes in them for more to give me another size. Or so. so I was not privileged to all the the extras. I'm sure Rack he got plenty of it. His his yeah. locker would always have like 15, 16 shirts in it. Mine had two or three. I had to wear them every day.
1: Yeah that's a hundred percent false. Okay? That's 100% <laughs>
0: false.
1: Uh, and again, Arch said, we got to tread lightly here because it's the same equipment manager from when I was there. Let me just say this, this Falcons polo, I think I've gotten more gear from doing broadcasting for the Falcons than I did from when I was playing. So, uh, you know, we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. There you go. Um, guys, let's, uh, we are going to have a, a bunch of fun on this deal, but at some point, I guess we got to get into the actual stuff that's happened on the field. As I started off by saying, so happy that we've actually got football. Now, Now, Arch, you and Shock were both inside the stadium for the Falcons game. Why don't you guys just start us off by saying, because there's probably people that are watching and listening that didn't even have a chance to be inside the stadium, maybe when they normally are. You guys were. Talk a little bit about the atmosphere that you experienced on Sunday.
2: Guys, this was very eerie because you wondered how was it going to be. We'd been in the building a couple of times for a couple of scrimmages. This is what it felt like. And I thought it was funny. Bill Belichick was asked after the game, can you give us some idea how it was without the atmosphere, with the fans? What was the atmosphere? What was it like? And he just quietly and said, practice. That's kind of the way it felt. It felt like practice, right? But there were two NFL teams trying to establish their mark on week one in a huge game in the NFC that you could look at week 17. You could say, wait a minute. There may be some implications that's attached to this game. And so those teams had to come out with some juice. So it was tough. I think for the home team, I think it's gonna be tough, guys, for the home team yeah. this year to create their own juice. When you're on the road, you don't expect you got to create your own, right? But there was no juice in the stadium. And I thought the Falcons came out and created some of their own juice early. But that was my first impression, uh, shock and rack. That was was but it wasn't really Mercedes-Benz because we didn't have all our people with us from Atlanta.
0: Yeah, right. I, I thought it was weird too. I, I thought when you see the players warming up you know, pre-game, there wasn't a lot of jumping around. It was a couple guys who were trying to create that juice like Archie talked about. And then once you get into the game, I think once the ball is snapped, you kind of – as athletes, we kind of forget about the fans. So as the ball was snapped, it was ball. But little things like TV timeouts or when it was third down, you had Ryan Cameron screaming, it's third down. And they were trying to create that noise. There were a couple times actually where I was up in – The booth up in the press box, and I could hear Seattle when they came off the field yelling at each other, saying, That was a great job. Let's continue to stay after them. And I'm, you know, I'm three levels up, and I could hear all that. So that part of it was weird for sure. Um, But like Art said, man, it's tough to create that as a player, create the energy. There's absolutely not one fan in the same. I will say, Rack, was it, was a, it was a beautiful I was
1: day. The Falcons game, and it was very much the same thing, guys. You just like, you can hear individual people having conversations, yeah. and that never happened. It yeah. was
2: cool, though, to have the roof open, guys. It was a beautiful day, and I would imagine fans sitting at home watching the game saying, wow, I should be at this game. It was a spectacular day. Had the roof open at Mercedes Benz. It was a beautiful early fall afternoon to get ready for football. So, uh, wish we'd had everybody there with us.
1: Well, let's guys, let's discuss this because, you know, so many people were just excited to get back to football uh, because of everything that's going on with the COVID-19 and the social injustice situation. And and I think a lot of people would just say that foot like America needs football. Like it's just kind of like everybody's outlet. They kind of put all their problems back in the back of their head. But speaking of social injustice, we had a lot of demonstrations this past weekend where players wanted to use this mechanism, if you will, the, the game of football football celebrities that they have to get a message across to the country and again you guys were there and got a chance to see the Falcons and and Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson talked a couple of times with the with the couple previous weeks as far as what they were going to do collectively as a team and you guys got to see that moment of the opening kickoff and then the players ended up kneeling what Arch what was that like for you?
2: Well, that was incredibly powerful. I, I thought it was something that uh, you know you anticipated something happening, and then I was still caught off guard because it was so unique and cool that both teams are on the same page. And for those of you that didn't see it, uh, Seattle kicks off. and immediately as the ball's about halfway to the goal line, all 22 guys on the field take a knee, and the ball hits in the end zone and goes out of the end zone. And then the guys stayed there for about four or five, maybe even six, eight seconds, somewhere in that neighborhood, and then all got off and came off the field. I thought it was an incredible show of unity, incredible show of rem- – and, again, it almost like we need that – they're reminding. We, I think the league is trying to remind. The players are trying to remind everybody out there. that I, And I thought it was extremely powerful. I I, I want to ask you guys some questions, but I want to hear what Shock's opinion was and what you saw – Cause I have a question for both you guys about this and maybe some of the erection we're seeing around the country.
0: Yeah. Arch, I think powerful is a good word for it um, in this day and age where there are a lot of things that are happening around the country, around the world that makes it tough for people to come together. And we know there's been a lot of uncomfortable conversations going on and to have guys of this stature, to use their platform to 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 basically just give light to the things that are going on in the world and to see an entire team come together, uh, to hear Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, two of the highest paid guys in the National Football League, talk about what's really important. Uh, after the game, yeah, shake hands. Let's keep this uh, – let's keep our voices going. Let's keep the movement going. Let's continue to show people that we can make an impact on the world and in our country through what we love to do, which is – sports and everybody loves watching some football and opportunity to do that in the beginning of the game while everybody is watching, it just brings it front and center. And you cannot get away from what's going on because these guys are using that platform to the fullest on national TV to show that, Hey, we're all here together and showing a solidarity that we're not going to just let this go by the wayside. Yeah, this has happened a couple, three, four, five months or whatever it may be. This is not a time where we let this, situation be uh, overcome with things that are uh, are not important so I love the fact that it happened I love the fact that they got together to talk about it I know they took all week to talk about it because they wanted to make sure whatever stance they went on it was a stance that would be felt and would be impactful and I think the words you use are powerful is probably uh, the best use of watching it I mean I took a couple of pictures and I had goosebumps watching like Never seen it. This is amazing. So, uh, kudos to those guys. Kudos to everybody around the league. You you saw the Chiefs. You saw the Texans come together and lock arms at at the beginning of the game. I mean, so many teams are trying to find a way to use their voices, and I love the fact that they're doing it on the biggest stage while everybody's watching.
2: Phil, I thought thought it was cool the way uh, Lift Your Voice and Sing. It's such a powerful song. It's a song that was a poem written in 1900. Uh, James Johnson wrote the, wrote the poem, and then his brother Rosemont Johnson came to, came in and put lyrics or put uh, music to it. Uh, just an incredible song uh, that I thought that uh, is powerful in itself, and kind of got us started. And then both teams reacted to that, and then of course we had the national anthem as well. Uh, but my question to you guys is, what is your reaction to uh, those that are saying, "Hey, I want my sports and I want it kind of separated." social injustice and those type of things going on what is your reaction what what do you say to those people i think i know what you're going to say and it would be my same reaction but i want to hear from both you guys is that what is your reaction to those that say hey we need to separate church and state to a certain extent you know what i'm saying where we don't have this on the football field right
1: You know, Dave, I'd start with that one. And what I'd tell you is, you know, you know how we're talking about with the COVID-19 stuff that we're in a new normal right now? Well, the NFL is in a new normal in this situation, too. So like without having using a crass phrase, I would say to those people, you can't have your cake and eat it, too, because if you want NFL, this is what the NFL is doing now. And this is a very important initiative to the players. And Dave, I'm glad you asked this question, because we talk about change and everybody wants change going on right now. But when I was playing, and DJ, Dave, you guys can both attest to this, it was always more about like keep the family tight, don't bring any attention of self, it's all about, say that these demonstrations are not about the team, but now because of social media, everybody has more of a voice to get on Instagram, to get on Twitter, to get on Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever it is. To voice their opinion and now that's part that's a big element it's almost like some of the other things that have been discussed like the contracts don't get me wrong that's all still really important but you're not hearing as much about contracts instead of right when they're signed but right now you're hearing all about social injustice what the players what's important to them and the different demonstrations that they want to do so everybody in America can see what they truly believe in they all believe in it as a team shock what about you
0: I think the number one thing is everybody's affected by this. And I think when you have athletes who uh, you cheer for on a weekly and you care about them, whether it's because they're doing good in your fantasy or whether uh, you've been following them as a fan since they've been in college or whatever it may be, you have to have empathy for these guys guys as much as anybody else. And everybody looks at them, yeah, they're on this huge platform because they're making all this money and uh, they're playing on national TV every week, but these guys have emotions. These guys are affected by things that are happening. You never, never know that maybe one of these guys that you're watching and rooting for, something has happened to somebody in their family. Or maybe this has happened to somebody that they care about, or somebody that's close to them. And ultimately, if that affects them, guess what? That week they may say, I don't feel like playing. I can't get through a game because emotionally I am attached to something else. So I believe the fact that people say, I just want that and I don't I don't need all that, they go hand in hand because these guys are humans just like you and if you went through it, you would want somebody to feel empathy for you. And if you didn't want to go to your job and had to do a certain thing, then uh, obviously that's on you. But I, I feel as though they go hand in hand. These guys are, are equally uh, emotional as any other person in, in this world. And I think, uh, like, like both mentioned, they go hand in hand. You can't have your cake and eat yeah, too.
1: Yeah. Well- I think this is one of those situations where we're, we're going to see a lot more of this as the season plays out. Um, the Falcons, you know, of course, they released their creed, if they will, where they have got about seven or eight different things that kind of all play off of the we rise up in different areas where the Falcons as a team and an organization wanted the public to know where their true feelings were at. And, and of course, they also made um, John Lewis the honorary captain of the game. Uh, this past weekend and just kind of showing the importance that he's had for civil rights movement and um, of course a lot of the minorities in this entire country as a whole. So uh, again, we'll, we'll, we'll probably be talking a lot more about that as the season plays on, but let's actually discuss a little bit about the action on the field. Of course, the Falcons end up coming up short uh, to the Seahawks and it was kind of a tale of fourth downs. And I know Dave, you're on the call. Um, you had a chance to call the the offense to fourth downs that didn't work out for Atlanta and you all chance the fourth down that worked in favor of Seattle and you know you mentioned the home team going to struggle you know getting momentum and having that home field advantage is going to be so difficult without fans and the fact that these big plays in the game kind of sided in the fact uh, on the side of Seattle ended up hurting Atlanta quite a bit
2: yeah no question about it rack I, you know you have to be clutch right this is a game we don't see a lot of blowouts in this league the You know, occasionally you'll see a team get away from the other one. But for the most part, it's going to be a couple of scores at most. And a lot of times that changes complexion based on a play you make somewhere in the second, third quarter. And these fourth downs were thrown throughout. Uh, I can think of one of the initial first downs. Atlanta went for it deep, not deep in Seattle territory, around the 40-yard line, and about fourth and three. And Seattle came with pressure. And they came with pressure off the edge. Gurley releases into the right flat and he's got a free release he's wide open and tries to do a basement ball throw him and and Manoa jumps in the air and bats the football down right and so I mean that's how close it is uh, to to either make it a play because Gurley catches this ball the first thing it hits he may be the goal line but he's certainly not going to get contested by a Seattle player until about the 10 yard line so it's gonna be a huge play somehow you got to make those plays and and I'll go back to the the fourth down call, and I I keep hearing a lot of talk about oh you go for fourth down in your own twenty yard, you you it worked. I mean you you snap it to Sherrod Neesman, he gets the first down. Got to take care of the football. There's got to be some some ownership by each player. Whether it's Isaiah Oliver missing a jam on DK Metcalf on fourth down, misses the jam, boom, he's behind you. Catch the football, you know, hold the football, those type of things. So uh, I don't have any answers for the fan. It's just a matter of you got to be clutch in those moments. But those are the two – those are kind of three that stuck out to me. Yeah, there were a couple other fourth downs. I uh, didn't get him the football. But the miss to, to Gurley is – and you talked about it, uh, Shock, and I think you did too, Rack, about momentum and how you how do you get that momentum going. That was an early second-quarter type play. That's an opportunity for you to really gather something – and it and it went the other way, and now you got no, you don't have any of the juice. Now you got to rekindle the juice. So that's what stuck out to me about the fourth down plays. You know, shock yeah. the
1: uh, the the Falcons offensively zero for four, but Dave kind of touched on it when the Seattle had their opportunity on fourth down, they ended up making a huge play to DK Metcalf and getting and and that's that's what we always talk about you got three former players here in the NFL if you're not situationally smart and perfect you're going to end up getting beat so it was 0 for 4 which one of those being on special teams right you got to be great in all three phases of the game but DJ Seattle had the same situation and they capitalized on their fourth down
0: yeah they did and uh, i think it comes down to those small nuances you talk about uh, that you going on practice about like Oliver and A.A. Terrell going against Ridley and Julio every single day. So they've had these opportunities in these situations. And I'm sure in practice, they probably played him really well. And this was a guy, like Arch just mentioned, the small nuances, the small things that maybe the fan doesn't see is the guy misses a jam. And you love the fact that the Falcons are playing more aggressive now. Their defense backs are more in the face of these receivers. And he just so happens to not get a jam on a big-time receiver. And, you know, he he got torched for it. And that's part of you know, him learning. And when you look back on that ball game, Arch mentioned about four or five different scenarios where if yeah, the Falcons take care of just small things, taking care of the football, uh, maybe getting the defensive end hands down, or just holding on to it on that fourth down when you, when you have a, the fake punt. Those are key situations in the game that change the outcome. And those are the things where you look back on the film, you say, well, there's a lot of things to be positive about. There are a lot of things that we can say we can. So going into week two, I think those are the things that you you clean up. The Falcons go uh, throughout the week. They have the Tell the Truth Mondays. They're bluntly honest about everything that goes on in the ballgame. And at the end of the day, Seattle just made more plays than you in that ballgame. Ultimately, that's why they came up with the win.
2: Yeah, Tell the Truth yeah. Mondays, guys, is is a big deal. But I'm more in favor of Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday, <laughs> to me... <laughs> Is much bigger in my house. And Tell Truth <laughs> Monday can be a little raw. You know, you got to tell the truth. You made some mistakes. Taco Tuesdays, when we put the mend on it, right? We moved it next week. <laughs> I,
1: I, I kind of like Burger Wednesdays because uh, <laughs> we're kind of talking more about food here than we are football. But uh, well, great points, guys. Uh, <laughs> I definitely think there was some good things that came out of the game. We got a chance to see Todd Gurley gets into the end zone, a former georgia bulldog shock a lot of people in georgia uh-huh he's four yards of carry and then dave i know it's also promising to arch uh three receivers over 100 yards i think that's something that Falcons hmm. really can be, be looking forward to moving on the rest of the yeah season. you got
2: some well you got a lot of weapons right rack shock i mean there's a lot of guys to get the football too and, and how do you get the football to those guys okay we got to have somebody up front getting it done and and that was the big question, right, guys, coming into the season, was how was this offensive line going to be better? Left guard, there was a bit of a battle going on between Carpenter and Hennessy. We knew we had the two young guys on the right side, and Lindstrom and McGarry. How much better would they be this year? Ryan was sacked 48 times last year. In fact, these two quarterbacks were the most sacked quarterbacks in the league. Both got sacked 48 times a year ago. So how much better would Atlanta be up front? And I think you saw real early, Gurley rips off about a five or six yard run. And then you get the toss and he rips off another 15 yards. And you think, whoa, this doesn't look like last year. This looks pretty cool coming off the ball and playing on their side of the line of scrimmage, right? Gurley, we had to get over the run game a little bit. Because we dug ourselves a bit of a hole there in the second half, but you mentioned it, Rack. The early average four yards a carry. Uh, I think at one point he was averaging he had ten carries, he was at fifty-one yards in the first half. I think had ten carries, fifty-one yards, five yards a carry. So I love the way that looks. And going back to what Shock was saying, as far as what do you like moving into week two? I like the way the offensive line played. And then when you got in that mode at the end of the in the game, where hey, run game's out the window. The last twenty minutes, you're chucking the ball over the yard. I didn't see Ryan on the ground. I saw three receivers getting 100 yards. I saw Ryan racking up 450. Now, we can't put ourselves in a position where we're down like that. But, hey, I like the way the offensive line paid, guys. That's what really jumped out to me in this game.
1: Matt, Shock, you talked about it. Uh, Matt Ryan mentioned it in his press conference that most, most teams and players will tell you the biggest improvement comes between week one and week two, especially the fact that we didn't have a preseason this year. So, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of eyes on both of these teams seeing what kind of progress they a little bit about the NFC South. We got a chance to see um, a Saints and Buccaneers game, but we happen to see some quarterback that's all right wearing a different colored jersey for the first time on the field. Uh, I just wanted to get your guys' impression. DJ, let's start with you. What do you think about seeing Tom Brady in a Buccaneers jersey? It's weird, jersey?
0: man. It's it's super weird when a guy is at a particular place for 20 years, and then all of a sudden he's at a totally different place, totally different division, totally different conference. It, it just it, you don't expect it to happen. And I remember early on in the offseason season when uh, all the, the the team jerseys were coming out, and they had the first glimpse of Brady in his Bucks uniform. I was like, "That's gonna take some getting used to." It. And uh, watching him play, man, it was always like it was always surreal to actually see him playing for the Buccaneers against the Saints this past weekend. And I think a lot of people had major expectations going into Week One that particular break, everybody thought he'd pick up where he left off, and everybody would just be great, and the Bucks would be unstoppable. And we saw just how the NFL is. It is a week-to-week game, and you got to make sure that you're on the same page. And, Rap, you talk about it. No preseason, no real offseason really to account for, and you can see how some guys were on the same page. There was an interception thrown by Brady in that ball game, and – they're saying, whose fault is it? Brady, is it Mike Evans? And Brady reads it one way. Mike Evans reads it another way. Should he break across the safety space? Should he keep it up the hash? All that kind of stuff. That's what you get when you have a preseason. When you have time to work with a guy. And that's what the growing pains are going to be for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, obviously, this division is going to be, I think, one of the best in the league with the caliber of quarterbacks in this league. Uh, but week in and week out, when you play in this division, you're gonna have to bring it because the, the quarterbacks, uh, we saw Drew Brees not at his best, still made to win. radius is still one of the best who ever do it in our game. And Teddy Bridgewater over in Carolina is a guy who doesn't turn the football over, plays steady football, and always gonna give his team a chance to win. So every week in AFC South is going to be a battle.
2: Let's be honest, guys. Let's be honest. If I'm a Tampa fan, the guy that played on Sunday looked a lot like the guy that threw a pick six to Deion Jones at the end of the season last season. Wait a minute. How about we change guys? It's the same dude. He threw a pick six to Janoris Jenkins. He's throwing an out route. It's like four feet behind him. Jenkins picks it and takes it for six. If I'm a Tampa fan, I'm going to just put put Jameis's number on him. It's the same
0: dude. Arch if, if the you're 40, Arch if you're 43, are you telling Byron left which I don't really want to throw an out from the left hash. To the other right side. I mean, is that one that of the things might, that you, you work that out be. when you're yeah, going that through the, game the plan? conversation?
2: Yeah, that might be in the conversation. I don't know what happened on a couple of throws either. Just like witness a couple. Of yeah, I don't. So I don't know if the jersey rubbed off on him or what. James's Ghost was floating around the sideline where he was eating. You know, doing let's do some eating or whatever he was doing. But the same dude that wore the jersey last year is wearing the jersey year, at so, least in I mean, game
0: one. Rack, Rack, Do you think Jameis was on the New Orleans sideline when Tampa and Brady threw that interception? Like, yes. Like secretly, like, see, y'all should have got rid of me.
1: They brought in the best quarterback to ever play the game, and he <laughs> threw two picks. Shoot, I can do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's right, no, no doubt. Question.
1: All right, so the uh, the Saints end up beating Tampa, thirty-four to twenty-three. You guys mentioned the Panthers. Let's go a couple quick hit games here right now. Las Vegas, and that's going to take a little getting used to. Vegas Raiders yeah. meeting. Uh, the new back butter, same guy in Christian McCaffrey, but uh, the Raiders come out on top. DJ, what'd you think of that one?
0: Yeah, uh, it's going to be kind of the same thing we talked about with Brady. It's going to be tough slate getting and getting started. Bridgewater's a good player, but everybody knows McCaffrey is their guy. They're going to find ways to try to get him to football 47 times throughout a ball game. So everybody's going to tee in on him, and now Bridgewater's going to have to be the guy. Derek Carr, another guy who was in that conversation with the Las Vegas Raiders of bringing Tom Brady to the Raiders. So I think he has something to prove as well and wanted to go out and uh, have a good show.
2: The Raiders, they go on the road. Okay, come on. They go on the road. This is a game Carolina is supposed to win. This is not a Raider team that you're overly – awed by when they come in but Carolina played flat I I really think Teddy fits what they want to do on the offensive side of the ball Joe Brady calling the plays now for that offense I think he fits the short intermediate passing game I think Cam wanted to throw the ball down the field a bit. didn't quite have for that passing attack I think I think Teddy fits them perfectly they'll get some things ironed out this will be a Carolina team that you're going to have to go beat they're not going to give it to you like shock said but he, uh, Teddy's not going to turn the football over
1: You got a guy like Christian McCaffrey, you're always going to have options. So, Carolina probably be okay moving forward, but they end up falling 34 30 to the Las Vegas Raiders, as Arch says. All right, finally, guys, this weekend we got the Dallas Cowboys, or the Falcons have the Dallas Cowboys. But before that, they ended up playing the LA Rams out in the new $5 billion stadium (laughs) down in Los Angeles, Arch. Did you get a chance to see any of those images of that stadium? What $5 billion buys you in Southern California?
2: <laughs> yeah, it looks cool. Looks cool. I mean, you can see in, right? You can look in from all angles. It looks like it now. Am I wrong, but it looks like it's built on the ground level and then you go down into the ground. Did I see that I think right? Is right. it dug out like the, the old pit where, where New Mexico used to play basketball or still does? It's pit in Albuquerque. So it looked to go down inside. That's a cool place. And obviously, Atlanta travels out there at the end of the year to place the Chargers. So the Falcons are going to get a chance to take a look at it.
1: Arch, anything, or excuse me, Shock, anything that game stick out to you? Uh,
0: yeah, Arch, they are talking about was it built down? Yeah, when I was watching a game, of course, they're talking about the specs of it. They said that they had to uh, drill 100, 100 feet deep down in there for it to sit up like that. So I thought that was pretty crazy that they they had that going on. But uh, I think the Rams showed that without Todd girl they still were able to run football. Jared Goff had some. Uh, some pristine throws there here and there, but uh, looking at Dallas, they're, they're still a, a very, very talented team. Um, I, I think they're waiting to, to hit their, their, their stride. Their mark, hopefully is not this week, uh, but Dallas is going to be a pivotal opponent being able to run the football having another guy who in Dak who we know is playing for his financial future really well. And, uh, you know, put up some big numbers and get his team to the playoffs. And like we mentioned, Arch said at the beginning, playing Seattle, NFC game. Playing against Dallas, NFC game. Mm-hmm. It could matter later on down the road. Both teams understand that even though it's early, these things come back. I know we're going to get an extra team in the playoff, but all that stuff still matters when you're playing inside your own conference.
1: DJ mentioned that Dak playing for his financial future. I wouldn't feel too sorry about him, guys, playing under that one-year franchise tender, 30, 30 plus, yeah. 31.4 million. However, here's what I will say, fellas. Dak Prescott is really happy with Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes right now. Ooh, you I guys know. go ahead and get paid. Keep setting that bar higher because hey. he's trying to find a $40, $45 million a year average contract when it's all said and done. That's
0: similar to what you made,
2: Rack, right? right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, right? sure is. Yeah. How about,
1: this? You How need about the He crammed it this year, right? <laughs> $31 million gets a whole lot.
2: But the standard Mahomes set, too, uh, as it turns out now, if you're a starting quarterback in the league and you get that kind of bank,
1: mm. uh, now,
2: oh, now you become part owner of the other team. So Dak, not only is he going to get paid, he'll be part owner of the Dallas Stars uh, as soon as he gets, <laughs> he gets paid, right? That's going to happen. Arch, so, I mean, Arch, Arch, are you, Arch, are
0: you, Arch, are Arch, you, are you jealous as a guy who actually really played a lot in the National Football League and you look at some of these freaking uh, contracts like, man. I should have waited a few more years so I can get 30, 40 plus million dollars.
2: Yeah, my, my mom says, nah, I'm not waiting until I'm 50 to have you, so I got to have you <laughs> 24, so. Yeah, I was just going to say, like Arch had any any say uh, any
1: yeah. in that whole waiting a few years thing, right? <laughs> I didn't have much to say about it. All right, guys, uh, that's it. The, uh first, the Falcons will end up traveling to the the once expansive and expensive um, Dallas Cowboys locale, but now it's getting uh, uh, passed by the other in and we will travel to play the Cowboys at 1 o'clock. Um, let's go ahead and put a bow on this one, guys. First podcast for the Falcon Audible is behind us. Arch, appreciate you joining us, man. I know you can't get enough talking about Falcons every week.
2: <laughs> I always love talking about Falcons. Love to have the fans join us. Make sure you join us each and every week. We're going to break it down and I'm I'm going to learn as much as I can from these two guys and just try to be better the next
0: week. Shot good to see you again, man, as always. I know, man. It's a pleasure, man. I, I enjoy being around two quality guys of your stature. So uh, it's always cool. Definitely learned a lot from both of you guys over my years. So uh, to build this podcast and give it back to our fans is, man, it, it's a privilege for me. And hey, we'll keep building on this new
1: normal of doing podcasts via teleconference and video conferencing. Uh, but we'll, uh, like we said, we'll do our best to have a little bit of fun as we talk about the action on the football field. So. Once again, Falcons will end up playing the Cowboys out in Texas this weekend. We'll get a chance to see that one on Sunday, and then we'll be back here on Tuesday to talk about it once again. On, all uh, presented by AT and T. Arch, shock, have a great week. We'll see you guys next week, huh?